for quarterback two is heating up. But who will it be? Bryson Barnes or Jaquindon Jackson? We're talking about it on today's edition of the Locked On Utes podcast. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms. My name is J.T. Wistersill, former student intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're going to be going over the backup quarterback battle, talking about who is going to be backing up the main man, Cam Rising. And to help me out with this, wanted to bring on a special guest today in ESPN 700's Porter Larson, who is fresh, fresh off a week that include clubbing with Shaq and little bit of back and forth with the president of Barstool Sports on Twitter. Porter, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, JT. Looking forward to uh, talking some football, finally. Yeah, it is so great this time of year, always having football back. The preseason rankings, of course, releasing this week. And, you know, the past few years, the big talking point has been who's going to be the starting quarterback. Two years in a row, we've entered fall camp with a quarterback competition. So by comparison, this camp seems a little bit less news newsy basically because there isn't that big who's going to be the most important position who's starting at the most important position on the field instead we're talking about the backups and that is an extremely important position because if something happens and camps goes down who's going to step up and utah has two really qualified guys for it in jaquindon jackson and bryson barnes both guys we saw get some playing time last year and as it pertains for this coming season and we're going to see which of these guys gets named the official backup quarterback after this saturday's scrimmage i feel like jaquindon's going to win this i just feel like he's the more athletic of the two and i feel like the coach Coaches have talked about the strides he's made in his game, and i got to believe that relates to his accuracy because I felt like that was the one thing that was really holding him back last season from, let's say, going into the Rose Bowl where Bryson Barnes went in because we know Jaquindon is a better athlete. His ability to make guys look absolutely ridiculous in space is what a lot of few guys, regardless of just position in general, can do across college football. So I think with that improved accuracy, I feel like this is Jaquindon's job. Yeah, and, you know, I, I probably agree with you from a general standpoint, QB two is going to be Jaquindon. Um, I feel he's going to take the second most reps as a quarterback in, in 2022, but I'll throw a caveat on there. I think they're two very different players and two players that the youths can still use in different ways. Right. Um, Jaquindon may be listed as QB two, but Bryson may do a bunch of the traditional QB two things like holding the, holding the kicks or, you know, being the main signal caller, uh, for Cam on the sideline with the with the different colored vest on. There's those little things that I think uh, Bryson has such a good handle on the offense and the scheme. I think he'll still be kind of that traditional QB two, but Jaquindon is a guy who you have to get on the field in some way. You have to be able to 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 weaponize his abilities and what he's able to do on the field in open space, right? And as you mentioned, he's come a long ways throwing the ball. He's he's really uh, made some steps there. So. For Jaquindon, I don't necessarily see him as a traditional quarterback, too, but I do see him getting some reps in different ways. You know, maybe Cam Rising's thrown outside for, uh, you know, out wide with with Andy Ludwig's trick play here or there, or, or you have a wildcat package for Jaquindon Jackson. I think they're going to find ways to get him involved 
even though it may not be the traditional QB2 way. Uh, but like you said, uh, probably going to win the job uh, as far as the depth chart goes. I love that idea you just brought up with Stad and Cam out there as a wide receiver as well, because I just think it puts defenses in such a bind because you're so worried about you want to pack the box to factor in Jaquindon, but Cam is athletic enough where if you leave him uncovered, he will run down the sideline and you'll be able to pick up a big yardage. And he's a football player. He's going to catch the ball as well. So that's something I would love to see this Utah football team employ. And yeah, you mentioned these, you got two really good backups. This isn't a problem. It's the same thing with the offensive line. It's not like this is a controversy or a battle because of, we don't have a good second option. Both guys are extremely qualified and both bring different things to the table. That makes this battle so much fun to kind of break down and analyze and kind of talked about the signal calling that Bryson provides every, you always need your backup quarterback, someone to be calling in the signals, kind of act as an extra barrier between coach and player as they're getting the singles and he, signals and hearing that stuff as well. And with Jaquindon, we saw a lot of those goal line packages that were really successful a year ago, but then he, like a lot of the youths running backs last year, had the had some fumbling stuff, fumbled once in game, and then we didn't really see it again. So it's going to be interesting to see. And just talking about, we both think Jaquindon is going to win this job. And I think we're going to see him – I don't know if we'll see him down in Gainesville, I'll say that. But after that, I don't know. I feel like we could see once a week where Jaquindon comes in in the red zone and they kind of toy with that package. I feel like it's something we could see at least once a game. But how often do you think we'll see Jaquindon if Cam stays healthy? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's matchup dependent, right? There's there's certain defenses that are going to give you better looks against a, uh, a quarterback that does that, right? teams that maybe struggle in, in the linebacker unit, teams that don't ever spy the quarterback. If you see some of those tendencies, that's when you can like, oh, I'm going to throw Jaquinted in and, and maybe we can, uh, you know, um, surprise them a little bit, get a 14-yard first down here. And and those are the things that that I think uh, you'll see more from uh, with Jaquinted Jackson. And like I said, it's it's kind of matchup dependent. Uh, it's hard to, to really gauge how often that happens. And then, as you mentioned, last year uh, did get his opportunity and fumbled it. So, for him, it's it's about making the most of those opportunities when you do get them. He's got the ability, JT. We've seen mostly in fall or spring practices and, and away from the, the Pac-12 network or ESPN cameras, but we've seen Jaquindon and what he can do. So the ability's there, the firepower's there. He's a weapon that the youths can use, um, but I don't know exactly how often that will be, uh, especially when you have a guy like Cam Rising running your offense. A hundred percent. One of the best quarterbacks and the best in the Pac-12 for my money and yeah. one of the best in the country as well. So you're not going to take him off the field a lot. And it's interesting as well to see, like, if we see, if, I'll ask you this first. I feel like if Cam goes down with an injury, we will still see Jaquindon come in and be quarterback number two. But do you think there's definitely a chance, depending on the matchup, that we would see Bryson Barnes come in for some reason? I, there's a chance. I, I would say there's a chance. I don't discount Bryson Barnes. There's a reason he was the guy they chose in the Rose Bowl. There's a reason he came into January 1st in Pasadena on the depth chart as, as number two. And granted, some of that reasoning is Jaquindon was a little banged up during the season. He, obviously, you, you mentioned the fumble. Um, but Bryson had a really good grasp of, of Andy's offense, and that's why they felt comfortable putting him in in that Rose Bowl game. If if we get into into conference play and, and Cam goes down and they're not entirely comfortable with where Jaquindon is, I absolutely see them putting Bryson in and still using 
Jaquindon in those ways that I think he's going to be used, whether Cam's on the field or not. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And there is room for both of these guys to make an impact this coming season and what figures to be a huge one for the Utes. And before we move on to our next topic, Porter, I did want to ask you, I talked about it yesterday. I felt like number seven was a very fair place for Utah. I felt like I could have made an argument for them to be even as high as four. And we saw a couple of compete voters in the AP put them in that top five range. But what did you think about Utah's seventh ranking in the AP poll? Yeah, I think number one, preseason rankings are – you know, yes. there's we haven't even played a snap. Utah mm-hmm. hasn't played a snap. Alabama hasn't played a snap. It's all projections, right? Um, that being said, they are a way to gauge where your program is at. I think more so gauge your program rather than yes. your team this year, right? And for Utah, it's a, it's a sign of respect. This is the highest preseason ranking they've ever had in the AP, and good reason. Obviously, you're coming off a Rose Bowl win and an impressive Pac-12 title run. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's pretty accurate. Number seven, I think I had, you know, a a prediction anywhere from six to nine, Mm -hmm. one through three is set from four, from, from four JT to like 20 something, you could interchange them all because we haven't seen them play. We haven't seen them against each other. We haven't seen any common opponents. Um, so really I, I do look at one, two, and three in a class of their own. And then, yeah, you can make an argument for for Utah, A&M, Baylor, like any of these schools right there behind them. And I think each of those schools, if they want to make a playoff run, uh, obviously are going to have to, and Utah has a really good chance early in the year, they're going to have to show people what they can do. And, and they're going to have to do it early because there are, like I mentioned, 20 teams vying, more than 20 teams. But what I see is 20 or 25 teams vying for that fourth playoff spot. No, 100% agree, the legitimate ones. And that's something I mentioned as well when I've been kind of talking about the rankings this week is you can't nitpick the top three. It's, they're, they're clearly the class of college football right now. Then after that, you can there can be arguments for all these teams. So it is something that's very interesting to talk about. One thing that's going to be paramount for Utah being amongst that group is the play of their secondary. And we're going to touch on that in just a second. But first, want to tell you guys about Drive Sober Tsunami. Your head. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's not a big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyways? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, they still don't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you're okay to drive after a few drinks, if you think you're okay to do that, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Once again, drive sober. Drive sober. Tsunami Live Read. Guys, please be smart during this football season. If you guys are having a couple any, make a plan, get ahead of it, and stay safe. So moving on to the secondary. This feels like, what did you say, Porter? Retweet. Yes, 100%. Hey, speaking of retweets, if you guys want to hear more of Porter, make sure you guys follow him at Larson underscore ESPN and check out ESPN 700. But moving on into the secondary, look, there's only one place to start when you talk about the secondary. It's Clark Phillips, the highest recruit to ever commit to Utah at the time he came to the team, and a guy who has just lived up to 
every all of the hype and there was a lot of it coming in as well he's the guy who's come in and completely locked down one side of the field and you stand next to clark he's not the biggest guy but everything else that he requires to be an elite corner he does well his reactions are phenomenal his change of direction he plays the ball so well in the air it's what allowed him to Utah gave up a lot of yards in the Rose Bowl, obviously, and he still had a good game. You see him against a lot of those bigger number one receivers in the Pac-12, and he hangs with them. And when you have a guy who's a true shutdown corner, it opens up so many things for you defensively. I just think Clark is in for a monster year, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. And I do think this will be his final year as a Ute because he plays so well. Yeah, Clark is as advertised, right? <laughs> Highest rated recruit coming into Utah. Um, and when you're the highest rated recruit coming into Utah as a defensive back, that's a, a whole other level, right? Knowing uh, the guys who've come through this program and have been coached by Whittingham and Scally and Sharif Shaw. And, and when you hear those guys talk about defensive backs, the way they talked about Clark Phillips when he was a recruit, you knew a special player was coming, right? And the only time I had really heard them talk about a corner like that was Jalen Johnson. Jalen came in was very process-oriented, very routine-based, exactly like Clark Phillips, right? So what that does is, yeah, they're good, they're talented, but when you're that focused on the process and, and the routine of it day in and day out, and then you team up with a guy like Kyle Whittingham who does that more than anyone that I've ever met, uh, it, it creates a really special uh, team, right? And, a, and a, di a dynamic that allows people to just get better and better and better. And that's exactly what you've seen from Clark Phillips. And that's what you're going to see on kickoff again. This offseason, he's only gotten better and better and, and, and more fluid with his movement, right? You mentioned it. He's not a big guy. He's a bowling ball. But he's gotten a lot more fluid with his hips and his movement in the last year or so uh, because before that, it was, it was all about his body, which, you know, you have to focus on. But he's really taken a different approach to it. And, and man, it's paid off. Clark is as advertised. You mentioned it probably going to be playing in the pros and maybe as soon as the next football season. So yeah, starts with Clark Phillips, but man, you look at that defensive back room. I know there's question marks there, but all those question marks have plenty of bodies there uh, to answer. Them. We just have to figure out which guys are going to be in the, uh, in the, in the mix. Yeah, and I know from speaking to Clark and some of these other guys at camp, this is a group that believes they have the best secondary in the Pac-12. And that does start with Clark Phillips. And you can tell he's a phenomenal leader as well, has the confidence. He is a coach's dream. The last thing I wanted to mention about Clark is you just talk with him and you're like, did your coaches brainwash you to talk like this? It's like, no, it's 100% authentic. Clark is just that much of a hard worker, a committed guy, a leader, and his play is outstanding on the field. But one of the reasons he feels like this team has the best secondary in the Pac-12 are those other guys on the roster and I want to start with a guy in Travis Broughton who I think last year was going to have a really good season he was honorable mention Pac-12 in 2020 last year had a really good start to the season versus BYU he had seven tackles in that game and then we lose him and I think that's one of the things that kind of hurt this Utah team especially against Ohio State late in the year was not having him but I feel like he's going to come in he has 21 career Games played, seven starts as well. I think Broughton's the guy who's going to come in and really be the number two corner on this team and going to do a good job. And the games he's going to matter the most are games like teams against USC. I think he's really going to shine. Yeah, I mean, the the cornerback opposite of Clark is going to have a lot of pressure on him to, to perform um, because the way Clark plays and, and the way he defends, 
You mentioned he's good at playing ball once it's in the air, but honestly, Clark doesn't get that many opportunities because of how tight of a corner he is and, and how few uh, chances he takes as a corner. So while there's a lot of pressure on the opposite corner as Clark, there's also going to be a lot of opportunities to be a playmaker. And you, you mentioned JT Broughton. Uh, that's a guy who has been an all-conference player before. He's really good. Uh, it's just about seeing if, if he can come back from that injury uh, and, and be his full self, be the player that we saw in that COVID-shortened year. Uh, and I think JT has a legitimate chance to replicate a, an all-conference year and, and be that type of player. Like I mentioned, the more you play opposite of Clark, the more balls that are going to come your way. So it's one of those situations where, yeah, you're going to have to be good, but you're also getting a lot of opportunities as a ball hawk, right? You you hear RSNB. That's what the the defensive backs say all the time. And it's something where they, they are all in on trying to get at the ball violently, but within the scheme, right? And that's something that I think JT is really good at. Uh, he covers a lot of ground. He covers a lot of space. He's a long, rangy corner. And opposite of Clark, I think that's kind of a perfect matchup because you can throw Clark on wide receiver one, but you can also throw Clark on some of those those odd mismatch kind of guys, right? Say it's a Covey or a, a guy who who gives JT Broughton, the longer, rangier corner, some trouble. Throw him on there. And, and JT can, can cover the 6'2", 6'3", guys. Uh, that are that are playing for USC or, or or some of those other schools. So you mentioned it. The cornerback position's huge. The cornerback opposite of, of Clark is huge. But I really do think that if in the right position, if they if they stay within the scheme and 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 react to the quarterback well, whoever that guy is, whether it's JT, whether it's Fabian Marks, Amaya Vaughn, uh, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to make some plays, and, and that's exactly what Morgan Scally wants him to be in. I would be surprised this year if Clark led the Pac-12 again and passes deflected because even though, look, he's going to be guarding number one receivers and these quarterbacks are going to want to go to their number one receivers, right. I just think they're going to respect Clark that much and there's just not going to be a lot of opportunities to find and these they guys. Right? Yeah, that you're not going to be able to – that these other guys are going to get those targets like you're talking about. And I think – I love that you brought up Zamaya Vaughn and Baby and Marks as well. With the way college football is – trending we see more and more air raid offenses more and more four guys out wide he, a lot of t- even though utah is loving the tight end right now that's utah kind of has more of an nfl mindset with the tight end where you'll see lots of nfl teams use two to three tight ends a lot of colleges are kind of like ah we don't really need tight ends we'd rather have four wide receivers out there so i think it's so great to have multiple guys who can cover and i think zavaya vaughn 13 starts with him fabian marks has seven these are guys as well who i feel confident going out there and if they have to guard number two receivers for for all game or go on some of these other guys i do feel like utah has four guys who can really get after it in coverage and, and jt we go back to the rose bowl last year right mckay bernard playing corner uh a bunch of dudes who are out of position go back a game further they had beyond the guys that we just mentioned kane savage kenzel lawler uh jocelyn malsaka like there are five plus other guys we haven't even mentioned the nickel, right? Uh, Malo Mataele and, and Alicia Lloyd, those guys have that locked down. They're too deep at the nickel. They have two more guys of corners that, that can come on. And, 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 you know, whether it's USC with five guys spread out or Washington State doing the, the air raid, you can throw six DBs on the field and be comfortable with it if you're Utah. And, man, that's, that's something that Morgan Scally and Sharif Shabshir really love to hear. And it's a, 
it's a good problem, right? Um, they have so many guys right now that projecting forward, when Nate Ritchie comes back from his mission, when when you get the four-star guy coming in next year, you might you might have too many corners, and and you're going to see guys transfer out because of the 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 amount of corners that are that are in this room. A far cry from what we were thinking at the Rose Bowl a few short months ago. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that was something I was concerned about for Utah's ranking is that people would watch the Rose Bowl and be like, this team doesn't have any secondary. But right. it just genuinely seemed like these guys did their homework and realized, no, there were just injuries there. And even though Makai is one of the freakiest players in college football, thanks to Bruce Feldman for that, it's extremely hard to still play another position, <laughs> especially yeah. at this level. Yeah, yeah I mean, I what, what Makai did in that Rose Bowl was was phenomenal. I know he got burnt a few times, but just asking him to go out there and play corner while still producing on the offensive end, uh, it, it just shows his ability as, as a football player rather than just a, a running back. And you're going to see a lot of Makai Bernard in 2022. Absolutely. I'm excited for the year he's going to have, just like I'm excited for these cornerbacks. But of course, there's another part of the secondary, that being the safeties. And we're going to touch on them in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about Intercap lending. There is a reason that no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs. Intercap gets deals done quick and simple process. Intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And though fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process. And that is why Locked On's personal loan officer, Steve Carter, has delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far, including Locked On's founder, David Locke. Let's be honest, if Steve can help keep David on track through the entire process, Steve can help anyone. And though Intercap is new to the Locked On Ute scene, it's not new to customers. Intercap has been assisting customers with all their mortgage needs since 1978. That's 43 years of experience, and Steve Carter has been providing Locked On listeners with the best experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all your mortgage needs in 40 states. Give Steve a call. His direct number is 385 885 28. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. NMLS number 190465. So back to this group. We feel really good about the corners, but they're not alone. You also got to feel good about the guys on the back end. And man, do I feel good about this group as well. And it starts for me with Cole Bishop. What a freshman season he had coming on so strong. Played 10 games in total, started the final six, and he was just a playmaker on the back end. He's a guy that I know in the run game is going to come down, make some physical hits, does a really good job in coverage as well. And Bishop is a guy I think is going to really explode in his second year. A lot of the Pac-12 teams were already eyeing him a little bit, as well as things like Athlon Sports, noticing his play. And I think after this year, if Clark does end up going on, he's going to be the guy that everyone talks about in the secondary. And he's going to be known He's known, known and feared by people in the Pac-12. I think even after week one, he could be known and feared nationally. Yeah, Cole Bishop bursted onto the scene last year, and I don't think a lot of people were were expecting that, right? They they didn't get the insight. We weren't able to watch fall camp. We, we didn't get to see him in the spring much. Um, so Cole Bishop was a guy who – Kind of surprised some folks last year, but man, was he good. Uh, you mentioned the physicality coming up and, and stopping the run, but also his ability to to stay back and, and, and drop in coverage. Does it all as a, as a safety, and that's exactly what you want. It's almost as if Chase Hansen never moved down to linebacker, right? He's, he's that physical of a player and, and that good of an athlete. And, you know, you, you pair him with, with a, a couple good corners. You pair him with a, a, another – uh, safety, and I think you have a really, really potent defensive backfield 
in, in looking at that pairing, it's probably going to be R.J. Hubert. I think you're going to see some Clayton Isbell as well. Um, but, yeah, the safety spot, as you mentioned, it starts and ends with Cole Bishop. And he, he's a guy who is going to make a lot of plays. He has a nose for the football, a nose for uh, creating turnovers, and, and just being in the right spot at the right time, right? He, he's physical, he's fast, and, and violent. And a lot of those guys sometimes get out of the scheme, right? I go back to Marquise Blair, who is an NFL player. He's obviously phenomenal. But sometimes he was a little bit of a headache in, in getting out of the defense, right? Getting out of, of what Morgan Scally and, and Kyle Whittingham wanted them to do. Now, he was able to get away with it in college uh, because he was that good, that physical, and, and that fast. Cole Bishop isn't necessarily that type of athlete. So he combines Marquise's physicality, his his ability to come up and, and stop the run and punish ball carriers with, uh, I would say, a little more calculation on the back end and a little more calculation on, on the risk. Uh, and, and that's why I, I think, as you mentioned, Cole Bishop's bound to, I wouldn't say break out. I think he already broke out, uh, but he's going to continue to do so. And behind him, even Sione Vaki's had a fantastic fall and a really good spring as well. So uh, they're they're too deep, at least at the safety positions, too. One hundred percent. And one of the guys I wanted to give a little bit more love to is someone you touched on in R.J. Hubert, who I think a lot of Utah fans may have actually forgotten about a little bit because he hasn't played the last two seasons because of injuries. But back in 2019, he was a guy who was making a lot of plays and everyone was excited about for the 2020 season. Then you get the weird COVID year injuries as well played a role. But I feel like he's another guy that's going to have a really strong year and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember him because he's going to be making plays all over the place as well. Yeah, RJ, I mean, RJ has been a guy who the Utes coaching staff has been comfortable throwing him him into game situations for two plus years now, right? So the ability, the 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 defensive scheme, none of those are concerns for RJ Hubert. The concerns are what does he look off look like coming off of those major knee injuries, right? Is is he the same player that he used to be? Uh or, you know, can he be better, right? We we know how medical advancements have come along. Uh, I've worked with RJ a little bit during the summer and he's moving really well, right? He, he's a guy who has, has done the right things as far as, as getting his body right. He's been really patient. Obviously you have to be really patient when you're dealing with those kind of injuries. Uh, but now it's his time to, to, to get on the field and hopefully stay on the field, man. Like that, that's the, that's the X factor. That's the variable with RJ Hubert. It's staying healthy. It's staying on the field. And really getting enough reps to show what he can do, because really the question marks don't lie with his ability or, or his his knowledge of the the program or the scheme. It's all about staying on the field, keeping those knees healthy, and hopefully having the explosion uh, that we saw from him before he got injured. And Porter, it sounds like you know more than most just how much time RJ's put back into his recovery to get healthy, getting back to it. And you put in so many times and hours for those opportunities on the field. So hopefully he is able to stay healthy and finally get those. And you mentioned Utah being too deep at safety as well. I was kind of curious to hear what you do think about some of those guys more because I'm looking at a guy in Clayton in Clayton Isabel, who the coaches have been raving about. You gotta love the length he has as well. I this is a group that a lot of people, I think, last year might not have known about our safeties as much, but going after this season, I think this entire group is going to be revered by the Pac-12. Yeah, man, we, we can go down the list. I, I mentioned Sione Baki already. I think he's kind of more of a, a Cole Bishop backup in that strong safety position. And then a free safety. 
keep an eye on, on Clayton Isbell. That's the one good part. If R.J. Hubert isn't able to stay on the field or, or maybe has some complications or isn't you know ready uh, after that, that time off, well, you've got a guy who has been playing football, not here at Illinois State, and he was a two-time FCS All-American. Go back and watch some of the tape if you can find it on Clayton Isbell. He's a really, really exciting player. Doing it at the other level, at the FCS level, you can kind of fall in love with the film a little too much, right? And I did that a little bit. But then to hear coaching staffs, the the, the guys from the the uh, camp up on the hill, kind of rave about Clayton Isbell in the ways that I saw on film at Illinois State. Man, I I think that that he's poised to 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 really contribute this year. And you know, if if Cole Bishop goes down, if R.J. Hubert goes down, which at some point during the season you're going to need some fill-ins in, in that back line, he's a guy who's ready to do it, in, and honestly probably at both positions. Yeah, and I love that you kind of mentioned as well like what you saw from him at the FCS level. There's a lot of really good FCS guys across the country who could contribute, especially once they've been in programs for a few years, like can contribute at that next level. And it's a reason we see a lot of those guys get drafted as well. So it makes sense that this coaching staff is fired up about a guy in Clayton Isabel. Porter, really appreciate you stopping by the show today to talk about what is a great group of defensive backs the Utes have. What kind of stuff do you have going on coming up for the football season? Yeah, man. Uh, for my fourth year, I believe, I'll be hosting Ooh, Utes yeah. Game Day. Um, so every year we have on game days like 10 hours of coverage, right? If you tune into ESPN 700 on a day when the Utes are playing, you'll either hear from me, Isaac Asiata, Stevenson Sylvester, Bill Riley, Scott Mitchell, or any of the other folks that we have on our broadcast. So uh, the pregame shows will start four hours before kickoff every Saturday or Thursday, Friday, whatever it may be. It'll be me and Isaac Asiata to kick off game days. Uh, we'll have a rotating cast of characters kind of joining us. Last year we had Zach Moss, Steve Smith, and, and a bunch of really good guests. So we'll continue that uh, and uh, look forward. 18 days now from, from Florida and Utah, the number seven units in Gainesville. So we're really excited for that. Uh, and then in addition to that, obviously, every day here on ESPN 700. And we kind of talked about earlier, you, you mentioned 18, and I mentioned your Twitter handle as well, at Lars underscore ESPN. If you guys want a nice little reminder of 18 days being away, make sure you guys go follow Porter as well. He had a great tweet about that relating to a lot of people's favorite use. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, we want to recommend you guys check out Locked on Pac-12, where host Spencer McLaughlin and other local Pac-12 hosts will take you around the conference in under 30 minutes. Lots of season previews coming up right now as football is oh so cool close to being back. Thank you guys for joining us on Locked On Utes today. We'll see you tomorrow.